You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, I would like, if you could, to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, This has been a really amazing week for me um, at City Lights. And uh, I I think it's been really exciting and challenging for us as a church. And we're going to talk about some of those things in a little bit. But who was able to go to Christ together last Sunday night? A good good handful of us. How many of us were able to be here on Thursday night? Yeah, a good good bit of us. Um, God is doing something, and it's pretty exciting to see. And uh, one last Sunday night just to see the unity of the church in Scranton. I, I do believe that the revival is coming. A revival is coming, and it's going to happen when God's church... You feel that? It's coming. Is it, is it just me? Do, does anybody else hear that? Okay, there we go. I thought it. I, I felt the Lord right there. Whew. It's slowly built, too. Like, I was, I'm like, I don't think I can keep going with that. That's, that's great. But, like, God's revival is coming. And I feel like it's coming through unity. It really is. The church, they will know you're my disciples when, they have lo- when you have love for one another. Um, and so the, that last Sunday was just so powerful to be a part of that. And then we had my friend uh, Daniel Newton and his team from, uh, from Bethel School of Ministry out in California here. And they used the, the, a lot of the prophetic words. And, and we saw healings happen. And on Thursday, we got to go out into the streets of Scranton and share the gospel in different groups. Um, and just, you know, if we felt words of encouragement to people, we just gave it to them. And we saw people get healed. We saw people come to faith. We saw people receive a word of wisdom and like look shocked. And I'll tell some stories in a little bit, but uh, let's read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We are, right now we've started this series in 1 Corinthians. It's Paul writing to the church of Corinth. And I really think it's great that God has given us this book to look through at this season. I, I, I love that. God is not a God of coincidences, right? I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God puts things in our hearts and puts us in a place in life for a specific reason at a specific time. And so I feel like we are in the book of 1 Corinthians for this new season of the church in Scranton and the church here at City Lights. So I would encourage you to have your hearts and your ears open to receive what God is saying for us as a church today. Make sense? This is not just some scripted message we pulled out of the can somewhere and said, oh, today's date. We have to read this. God put this in our hearts. So I would encourage you to Let's be ready to receive. Let's have ears to hear and eyes to see. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 is where I want you to look. If you don't have a Bible of yours to keep, you can have the one in front of you, and the pew in front of you, that's yours. It's a gift to you. Um, But you can also follow along on the screen today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read it, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God... The world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preached to save those who believe. For the Jews demand a sign and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But those to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I want to stop there. We're going to look at that in a second. So I said last Thursday we got to go out and, and hit the streets of Scranton a little bit. And uh, anybody know what happened on Thursday? What, what was something unique that happened in the city on Thursday? Bernie Sanders. Feel the burn. He was here. He was here at the Cultural Center. So we split out in a couple different groups, um, not because of Bernie, but just because the team was here. Um, and we wanted to hit the streets. So we went out with, with the team from Bethel, uh, Will and myself. We went in different groups. And uh, so my group, were walking through the square, uh, the courthouse area. And this is like after the Bernie Sanders thing was over. And so you had some stragglers hanging around, the Bernie Sanders supporters with the pins and the buttons and the hats and the caps and everything. And then you also had the Trump people with the big old Trump trucks sitting across from the Bernie Sanders things. And then watching the guys with the Make America Great Again hats yelling at the people who with the Bernie Sanders <laughs> shirts who were then giving them inappropriate hand gestures. Uh, and it wasn't, hey, you're okay in my book. It was something else. So it was like, that's what we walked into. We're like, we're going to share Jesus with this. <laughs> this is nice. And so we're, we're in the square, and uh, this is, you know, after it died down a little bit, and there's four people sitting on a bench. Well, two, of them are, two girls are sitting on a bench there in the courthouse square, and two guys are standing there, and they're all talking together. And, and they all are fully decked out in the Bernie gear. And the girls are probably like, like, 18, 19, 20 years old, like that range, like about to be in college. And the guys were definitely like college guys. So I see these, like we see these people and we start to walk by and the guy that I'm with, Eric, he's like, I really feel like we need to go back and join that group. I'm like, all right. So if anybody met Eric, he's just a a really sweet personality. And he comes up and there's another girl who's with us and then me. And we walk up and and we're just like, hey, how you guys doing? So we just kind of jump into their conversation. And they're like, so you, so you guys were here to see Bernie? And we're like, no, we weren't. We're just out. You know, we love Jesus. And we wanted to talk about Jesus with some people and, and tell, tell you how much God loves you. And the one guy's like, oh, that's cool. Well, I was about to get going. Um, and you guys had somewhere to be. And he kind of like did one of those things where he stood in front of us to kind of like convince them we have somewhere to go, right? And uh, Eric's just like, no, that's, that's fine, man. We just want to encourage you. You know, we believe that God is God who loves his people. We want to encourage you with, with what we felt in our heart. It'll only take like a minute or two. And I was like, all right, I got a minute. So Eric begins to give this guy a, a, a word. He felt a discerning word. And you see this guy go from like this face of skepticism to like his hands come down. And he's like, wow, man, that really, that really means a lot to me. That seriously that that means a lot to me right here i appreciate that and this girl on the bench this one girl with these big hippie glasses right and like some i think there was like sparkles on her face she's like how did you do that how did you know that and so the other girl goes to the girl beside her the girl that we're with she begins to prophesy over this girl meanwhile the girl with the hippie glasses is freaking out like she's like how did you know that about both of them and the moment she said that i felt in my heart there's something wrong with her, her and her dad. There's a relationship problem there. I felt that instantly in my heart. And I'm like, huh, well, I'm letting them do their thing. I'm going to let them. And Eric looks at her, and she go, he goes, I feel like God says he wants to restore your family. And she, like, takes her glasses off. And she's like, seriously, how are you guys doing this? Where are you getting this from? And then I said, can I say something? She's like, yeah. I said, 
God loves you so much. Like, he wants you to know he's real and he knows you. He's going to restore his family. I said, specifically, it's your dad, isn't it? And she almost broke into tears. And she's like, I don't, I don't know what this is. I said, it's not a magic eight ball. It's not some crystal ball. We're not doing chants. We simply know that Christ has reconciled us to God. And so we can hear the voice of God. And it, he just wants you to know that he really loves you and he wants your family to be whole again. And so it, the girl, her mind was blown. And so we began to pray over them and we told them to have a great day, to know that Jesus loves them, and then we left. That is the power of God, right? But the funny thing is, I went way too far in my story. I wasn't supposed to share all that yet. I, don't, I messed up my notes. I'm sorry. Pretend you didn't hear the end of that. But when we first walked up to them, another part of the conversation I want you to hear, we walked up and he said, you know, we're Christians. You know, we believe in the voice of God. We, we can hear from God. And Eric asked them, have you ever heard God speak? And the guy, the guy who was doing all the talk and said, uh, I've heard Bernie Sanders speak. And he thought it was being funny, right? And, you know, I, 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 I smiled at that too. But the, the sad part of that is, so many of us in life live this life where we've only ever heard the voice of men. Where, where we don't think that we can hear the voice of God. And if you hear the voice of God, you must be a lunatic, you must have a chemical imbalance, or you must be a holy roller, right? And the sad truth is, that's not, that's not, the, that's not the Bible at all. The gospel is, my sheep know my voice. We should hear the voice of God. So that guy instantly was like, that is, you're insane. Like, he was ready, like, come on, guys. At the moment that truth was spoken and a, and a real prophetic word was spoken, I can't, I think he said four different times throughout that conversation, really, that means a lot to me. Like, he walked away with that, instead of skepticism, thinking, that guy just really encouraged me. That guy who doesn't know me somehow knew me and encouraged me. Like, that's the power of God, Right? But so we live in this world, though, that we're, we think we've heard the voice of Bernie Sanders or the voice of Donald Trump or the voice of whoever our hero is. See, the truth is, even if Bernie Sanders would win the election, right, he would have a great story to tell his grandkids, maybe. You know, I, I, you know, I got to hear the president speak or whatever. And then after that, who cares, really? Because let's, let's be really honest. The celebrities of today are going to be gone in the next generation, and then nobody's going to care that you heard Bill Gates or Donald Trump or whoever speak. That, their wisdom is forgotten. Their wisdom is no more. Their wisdom is old news. Something new was in its place. And that is what Paul is telling the church of Corinth. You think because you've heard philosophers... You, Corinth was known for its philosophical, scientific, intellectual community. That's something they thrived on, this pagan intellect. And he says, where are those philosophers now? You're thriving. Your, your community is getting its identity based on her, who you've heard teach. What, what was the verse before this, right? The passage we preached two weeks ago, this, this passage right before, they're fighting over who's a follower of Paul, who's a follower of, of Apollos, and who's a follower of Peter. They're making a big deal of it. And Paul says, I didn't, it's not about who I baptized, it's about Christ. And when you make it about an individual's teaching, a specific person being some kind of better, superior person, then you rob the cross of its power. 
Because I didn't, he says, I didn't come to you with eloquent words. I came to you with Jesus and him crucified. That's the wisdom. That's all I've got. That's the only wisdom of God. When we make this thing, when we make our life about man's wisdom, we have to realize man's wisdom is very temporary. Even our church leaders, when we make it about who we follow as a leader and not about Jesus and his glory, we rob the cross of its power. It's not about man's wisdom. It's not about the people and the who's who. It's not, it's not about celebrity. So, so often, like, so much of our lives is really based on trying to emulate a specific somebody, right? We all have heroes, and I'm not saying heroes are a bad thing. Whether it's in sports, we want to be, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. I wanted to be Dan Marino. Now, I'm just, some of you are laughing. Who's Dan Marino? I don't know that guy. <laughs> To me, Dan Marino was Dan Marino. He was everything. In the next generation, you'll have to go to the museums to find out about Dan Marino. I'm a Dolphins fan, right? And every year, there's somebody who starts off the season like 6-0, and right? They're, they've won a bunch of games. As a Dolphins fan, we have one thing. We are the only team to ever have a perfect season. And so every year I'm like, please don't let us lose that. Please don't let us lose that. I don't care if we win the Super Bowl. Don't let somebody else win. Don't let somebody else take that from us. But the truth is, eventually that's gonna, that record's going to be shattered. Eventually all the things that man creates will be replaced by something better. All the wisdom, all the intellect, the best scientists of today will be forgotten in 100 years. Maybe there will be some books written to remember him, but it's not a big deal anymore. We have new information. We have new theology, new philosophy. We have, we're, there's always somebody coming up with something. But Paul tells this church, forget the individual and your teaching. Realize that Christ crucified is forever. And it's foolishness to people who are thinking with human logic. And then he begins to explain to the Greek and to the Jews. The power of the cross doesn't make sense to human logic. To the Greek, this culture... Is a, it's a pagan intellectual society. They are looking for something they can prove, something that they can define, something scientific, something philosophical. And Paul comes in and says, a Jew from a small town was crucified by Romans. God raised him back to life, and now we have to become obedient to him to have eternal life. To the Greek, that was the worst type of philosophy ever. That was stupidity. And so to the Greek, it made no sense, but that's what Paul comes in and preaches to the church. To the Jew there in Corinth, the Jew was looking for this Messiah who would destroy Rome. Instead, we see a suffering Messiah servant who comes in and is crucified by Rome. It doesn't make sense to the, that mind, the, the philosophical, the educational, the scientific mind, and it doesn't make sense to the religious mind. So you're saying instead of the Messiah coming and taking the throne, the Messiah died so that I can be forgiven of my sins and I no longer have to follow the law of Moses. It's not about keeping the commandments. It's about living under the lordship of Christ and free grace. It doesn't make sense. And I would say today, in today's church, we have the same things happening here, even in this building, where some of you are struggling with the, the gospel message because you can't define it, you can't prove it, it doesn't make sense to your intellect. And I would say it's become a stumbling block because your heart is Greek. 
And others in here, you can't understand Christianity, you can't understand grace because you feel like somehow your moralism, your works, your achievements, your good deeds, your ability to pray every morning and fast once a month or whatever you do should somehow earn you more credit than the guy who does it. And the gospel says it doesn't do squat. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. So this, even in our own lives, we have to say, is the real gospel, is Christ and him crucified, is there real power in that? Or do I make this about the things that I can define in my own mind? Because when you try to rationalize it like that, you rob the cross of its power. This makes no sense to logic. But let me ask, where's your logic gotten you? Verse 20. We read, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? All those smart teachers who were in Corinth, that we talked a few weeks ago about Corinth was known for these sophists who would come in and give their big speeches and win people over with their philosophy and then make disciples to argue about their philosophy, right? And Paul looks at that church and says, where are they now? Where are all these teachers who come in? Where is their ideas? It's, they're gone. They're somewhere else. But Christ is here. The Holy Spirit is here. Where are those, where's their wisdom? What is that doing good for you? Nothing. But the gospel has power. Hope of Christ is eternal. It has power more than the hope of man. Whenever we had that conversation with the, those Bernie supporters, and I, I'm not here to say if you like, I don't care, honestly, who you vote for. I mean, I have my preferences. I'm not going to make you do your, um, whatever. Whatever. I'm not going to go there. That's not my goal. But one thing I could say, my hope isn't in any of those candidates. My hope is only in Christ. And that's what I told them when I sat there. I I said, you know, it's cool you guys are out here at a young age voting and and getting involved. That's awesome. But honestly, 20, 30 years from now, it's not going to matter. Like, yeah, maybe there's ripple effects. Everything we do in life has ripple effects. But ultimately, my hope is in Jesus. And I said that to them. I said, my hope goes beyond what happens even in America, even in my home. My hope is eternally rested in Christ and his love for me. And that's the only thing that lasts forever. We have to become people who hang on to the power of the cross. You might say this morning, well, Jesse, I I know that Jesus saves me. My hope is in the power of the cross. That I, I don't rob the cross of its power. Because I'm saved and I believe in Jesus. And I would say to you, maybe we need to rethink this. Maybe you do rob the cross of its power and you don't even realize it. Let's read a little further. Verse 26. For consider your callings, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So Paul tells his church, okay, you're making a big deal about me, 
Paul, Apollos, and Peter. And I'm telling you, it's not about that. The power of the gospel is not about me. It's not about you. Because this is what he says, I love this. Basically, he says, you guys were pretty stupid and average. (laughs) That's what he says. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many of you had a good birth, so you weren't rich, you weren't famous, you weren't of any special family. You were average people in, a, in this city. You were the lesser thens. Make sense? I feel like, I mean, I don't know any celebrities in this room. Maybe some of you guys have really rich families. Maybe you guys, I know there's some really smart people in here. But at the same time, we can also be really dumb. Let's be real. We're, we're an average group of people. And Paul says to this, group, this church in Corinth, you are average people, and God has chosen you to blow the minds of the world through my power, through the power of the cross. This is a church that's operating in the gifts. This is a church that's seeking him, proclaiming him. They are messed up in a ton of areas, and we'll get to that. But they're a church that Paul is able to look at and said, God has chosen you, the normal people, to blow everybody else's minds. Because those who think they're so smart, they're it says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discerning, discernment of the discerning I will thwart. He says, I'm going to mess up their whole idea of what's true and what's real and what's powerful because I'm going to empower you. Right? It's not about a person. See, we get, let's be real, we get stuck in this thing where we look at people who are pastors or evangelists or prophets or whatever, and we look at them and make it, well, they're the special ones. They're the ones who God has given a specific thing to, and they're higher up than me. God has given me grace, right? God has given me salvation, and all I have is my works of helps. I've got the gift of helps. I've got the gift of hospitality. I've got the gifts of the ones that I can make sense to me, right? But those things are for the special elite. Those are for the super wise, the super cool, (laughs) the superheroes of the faith, right? Jesus says, it's not about that. Paul says it's not about that. I am giving average people extraordinary things and power. I am giving the nobodies everything I've got. We do this same thing where we, we somehow, let, let, me, let me say it this way. How come it's easier for us? We're talking about robbing the cross of its power, right? And I want you to hear me on this. How come it's easier for us to say the God of the universe came in the form of man, humbled himself, died on the cross, was buried in the ground, three days later rose again, spoke truth, the Holy Spirit came after he ascended to heaven, and we are empowered by him through the Holy Spirit to do the works that he has done. He says, greater things will you do. How come it's easier for us to understand that Jesus, the God of the universe, came, took on flesh, died on a cross, was buried, resurrected, rose again, went to heaven? How is that an easier thing for us to understand than that same God saying, I'm giving you the power to prophesy. I'm giving you the power to discern spirits. I'm giving you the power to heal the sick. When we do that, when we make those giftings more elevated than the cross of Christ, we rob the cross of its power. When we say that's more realistic for me to understand because I've heard it a thousand times, when we do that, we rob the cross of its power. The cross should be the thing that we still always struggle to understand because it defies human logic, it defies reason, it defies wisdom. It's the wisdom of God. 
So if that is true, if the cross is true, and I am resurrected, I am saved, I am eternally forgiven because of that one thing, the God of the universe doing that for me, it should be a really easy thing for me to believe that he can empower me to speak truth and life everywhere I go. He says, and he did not stutter, these signs shall follow those who believe. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in my name. He says, heal heal the sick, cast out demons. These are the things he tells us to do. So why are they the most most difficult things for us to understand to be a reality for ourselves, the average Joe? This is the power of the gospel. And so when we elevate those things or special people to have those things, then we rob the cross of its power. So I told you that story. I finished the whole Bernie Sanders and the two guys, or the the four people story. Let me say this. I don't wake up every day flowing in the prophetic. That's That's not my gifting. I do believe that God has given specific heavy graces for different people, right? But God at any moment can use me in any gift he desires. And all I have to do is put myself in a position to listen and to speak. And so when I stood there, it was a risk for me to say there's something with your dad because it could have been something with her mom. It could, her dad could be dead. Her, her dad could be whatever. I don't know. But I spoke that because I felt the Holy Spirit quicken it and I said it. I, I'm a normal person. I can't tell you how many times I, I ask God, why am I even able to be a pastor? Because I'm not worthy of this position. I'm not worthy for you to be the people who look to me right now in this moment to speak truth. But God says, I've called you. And so I have to do what he called. Last week, we're in worship. Sunday morning, last Sunday morning. I'm worshiping. And let me say this first. It's really good for us to have humility about ourselves, right? To recognize we're nothing without Christ. That's good. That's true. That's good. But so, so often I get stuck in that position where I recognize my own faults and I don't see myself as God sees me, right? And so I'm constantly asking God, why did you do this to me? Why are you, why are you putting me in positions of authority? And last Sunday we're singing in worship. And I don't remember if it was a song we were singing or if I was just singing my own song, because sometimes I do. But I was declaring how worthy he is of everything. He is worthy. He's perfect. He is worthy. And I felt God say to me, you are worthy because I am worthy and I picked you. That's the only thing that should define me. So often I scratch my head and say, well, God, doesn't make any sense. What makes me worthy? Why would you pick me? And the simple fact that he has picked me makes me worthy. The simple fact that he has called you out of darkness and into light makes you worthy to be children of light. That has to be your identity, that I am worthy of the gifts of the Spirit. I am worthy to walk in joy. I am worthy of my identity in Christ because he says so. Who else is going to question him? Who's going to call him to the table and say, they're not worthy? Because he already took care of that through Christ, hasn't he? He is our mediator. He is our judge and jury. He's the one who said, I've called them and now they are righteousness. They're the righteousness in me. That had to, last Sunday, had to become a real identity in my heart. That I can do everything it says in here I can do because he looked at me and said, I'm worthy. I'm worthy. 
because he's worthy and he picked me. That's all I need to know. This morning, I want to encourage you, don't rob the cross of its power by thinking less of yourself, thinking you're not able to be an evangelist in your home, in your community, across the world. I don't, I don't care where he calls you to. You have to recognize every gift in here. It's, Paul says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. He says to desire these things. If, why, why in the world would we think that it's not normal to hear the voice of God? Amen. Why would we think that that's something strange and weird and, and random? Because we haven't experienced it, and it goes against human wisdom. Nobody ever experienced the cross before, but now we all believe it, right? He says, my sheep will hear my voice. Let me say this. I got two cups, right? I got this cup here, which is snow cone, right? It's a cheap paper cup. Put a snow cone in there for more than... 15 minutes, it falls off the bottom, basically. And I got this, it's a wine glass. Uh, I mean, it came from the guy's house, so it's probably not a super expensive wine glass, but it's, it's a glass, right? One has more value than the other, correct? So if I bring out a $1,000 bottle of wine, chill out, people. It's wine. <laughs> She's first miracle, wine. And I pour it into both of these glasses. Which one does the wine have more value in? It's the same. It's the same wine. So why do we look at people that way? That, oh, God will only pour out his spirit in this one. He says, I'll use whatever vessel is willing and empty. I'll pour it in there so that they can pour it on somebody else. I'll take that. Okay, maybe the wine, maybe you're like, well, technically wine loses its whatever. I don't care. I'm not a wine connoisseur. I know. Whatever. It's got to be a specific glass. For, you know, swirl it around, sniff it, spit it back in another bucket. Whatever. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, let's, let's put $1,000 worth of gold coins in both. Which one has the most value then? They're the same. It's the same value. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The presence of God is the presence of God. I don't care if you come from a rich family, a poor family, a broke family, a dumb family, an educated family. The power of God is available to you. So don't rob the cross of its power by saying that's something unaccessible for me. Jesus is the wisdom of God. It says there in that verse, He is the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ who came, who became to us wisdom from God. He became wisdom. He became truth. He became righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So let the one who boasts, boast in only the Lord. You and I get to boast in the Lord because Jesus Christ became our power. He became our redemption. He became our wisdom. He is truth. And everything he says has to be truth. And if I bring my human wisdom or intellect or experience into it, then I negate the wisdom and the power of God. The gospel is the gospel always. And it's a gospel that's been about grace from the start to its finish. So why are we making it about works or credentials now? when it comes to the gifts, or when it comes to our usability, whatever we want to call it. I'm telling you this morning, I am a foolish vessel. I am a weak vessel. I've got issues, I've got problems, I've got stuff going on. I was a guy in high school, I told you before, who can't even speak to people. And here I am doing this. It's not because I'm anything special, it's because he is everything special. 
We have to boast in the Lord. Let me say something, and I, I, I recognize this. I know there's a lot of questions about what happened last Sunday. There's a lot of, there's a lot of questions about, like, you know, the spiritual gifts and, their, and what happened on Thursday night. I, I know that. I understand that. And I'm not trying to belittle that at all. What I'm saying is I want us to become people in a, a church that talks about it and desires a spiritual gift. We have conversations about it. We want to do things the way Christ and the Father wants the church to do things. There's clearly issues with the spiritual gifts to the church in Corinth, but I love that Paul doesn't tell them stop. He says, okay, let's restructure this a little bit. Let's, let's be smart about this. Let's be led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And I think because of so many years of me desiring to be a church that's safe and understandable, we have... We've become too safe, too understandable, and I want the Holy Spirit to move. I want to see demons flee. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see people receive encouragement when there's no way that somebody should have known that. I want to see lost people saved, and I want to see the weak people of the world become strong in Christ. I want to see the church full the city, full politics and, and confuse scientists. I want to see the body of Christ be so unbelievable that the power of the cross is real and tangible. That's what I desire to see. This morning, we're going to worship for a little bit, and if you want prayer from any of our elders, um, from Will and Bob, my, my, the interns at the house, Hannah, who leads our prayer group, um, elders' wives, if, if you want, we're, we're up here to pray with you if you want to do that. But specifically what we want to pray for is maybe you've in your heart become a Jew or a Greek. Maybe just this whole thing is hard for you to understand. Maybe you've rejected the truth of the gospel and the power of the cross in some way. Make sense? So I, I want, if you want a deeper, the one song we sang this morning said about, um, how that line go about calling us deep, further into love, deeper into love, something like that. And I really felt that this morning. I'm like, none of us have experienced the depths or the height or the width of love because there's always more of his love that we can feel and receive. And so if you want to feel more of his love or more of his power or more of an understanding of his love and call for you, then I would encourage you to come forward. We just want to pray with you for a moment. and uh, But let's just worship him because we have a God who is completely boggled the minds of science, boggled the minds of the world, and given us the power of the cross. Amen.